If you're an Android user looking for some normal science and great way to listen to your podcasts, check out the Podcast Republic app on the Google Play Store. There's thousands of good reviews touting all of the fine features of the program. One I like is that you favorite your favorite shows and they download so you don't have to remember what day of the week does that show come out. Check out the Podcast Republic app on the Google Play Store for Android devices. Welcome to Dissecting the 80s. I am Trip Lano, one half of the Mega Podcasting Powers. And with me, as always, is my tag team partner, a man who knows that if you really get into a jam, the best thing to do is to drink a lot of whiskey and culturally appropriate the Macho Man Drew. Andrew Lano. Thought you were going to go with put on a crop top. Oh, crop top. Yeah, that would have been quite good. a bit of those. Uh, late. Because of the way we record and the way things go, but this podcast stands firmly with the robot in Rocky IV, Sylvester Stallone, you blaspheming bastard, to keep the ro- the robot in the Rocky IV cut, you monster! Also, How could you? Like, that's what you think the problem is with Rocky IV? <laughs> Expand! I want more robot. I want to know about Polly flipping that chip and making the robot his love machine. But I, I definitely want all love of this. the animated series, the robot. Polly and the Robot animated Saturday morning yes! cartoon show. Absolutely. But it just boggles yes. my mind that I watched Rocky Four and the problem with it is the robot. Like, there's that's not the first thing to look at, Mr. Stallone. I mean the problem with Rocky Four is that it's just a montage. Well yeah, it's just montage. That's he dies, he dies, right? Yes. Okay. That's the Russian. Uh, we, of course, are not here to talk about Rocky Four. That is back in the archives, so go check that out if you haven't. That was one of the original, I think maybe one of the original February movies. I think you're right. Yeah, but we are here talking about a movie that celebrates its 35th anniversary. 1985, really a banner year for this podcast. If you go yeah, right. back and and look at things that have been, things that were released then, ton of movies we've covered. 85 and 86 are really kind of a sweet spot for us, I've, I've noticed uh, in, in isn't looking 85 research. Beetlejuice, or is that eating? Mm, I knew you were going to do this. I knew you were going to start asking for examples. Just one. There's like, only, I don't have is the only prepared. one. I, no, Beetlejuice is 88. I'm almost positive. Or no, it's, I, I think it's 89 money. because we did the 30th last year. Maybe. But in any case, uh, a bunch of stuff we've done has come out or came out in 1985. 88 is Beetlejuice. Oh. We might have done Beetlejuice two years ago. Oh, God. It's very, very possible. Uh, that happens to me all the time with the podcast. Well, it's also that the past uh, but, six months have felt like four years. Yeah, no, we, yeah, of course. This has been a long, weird time uh, of of quarantining. But um, since so many movies got pushed off the schedule, we had a lot of what we do is tie into stuff that's coming out, all these remakes and reboots and reboot quills and sequels and stuff. Requels. Um, but things get... Requels, yes. But things get shuffled off the schedule because of COVID, so we rearranged our schedule, and uh, I was, like, trying to figure out what to do. So my default is always to check for major anniversaries, and I pulled up 1985, and it was like, oh, my God. (laughs) It's like, there's just a bounty. So a lot of what we're doing for the rest of this year, episode-wise, not all, but a lot of what we're doing uh, is from 1985 because there's just so much great stuff, including the movie that we're doing this episode on. Uh, Great stuff. All right, well, I knew this was going to be contentious, but that's fine. Uh, we watched Weird Science, so you know what that means. We've got to go back. We've got to go dissect the 80s. It's your sexist science genie. Something's got to be about your sexist science genie. When the mega powers explode, 
I'm talking about the 8880s. Okay, so that's the we can start right there then. I think this movie is actually sexy Mary Poppins. Oh no, it's Mary Poppins with boobs, but it is it is the most li- like lascivious misogynistic version of what the story could have been is the movie that or are the bad characters that because i feel like most of that comes from the bad characters i to me it's the movie itself because if if lisa had popped out and been like i'm clearly not gonna fuck you you two nerds but i will help you become better people then I think the movie is more of sexy Mary Poppins. But because there's the, like, she kisses him and she takes shower, like, it's it's weird and it, it feels a little ugh to me. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, let's hop in the time machine again. I know and it's let's, 1985. Let's, let's, no, 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 no. I want to go back to uh, 2005. Okay. 2000, 2000, wait, no, 2008. So a 16-year-old Andrew has the ability to conjure up the ideal sexual partner of his dreams. And by doing so is creating someone who also wants to have sex with him by the nature of the creation. That's like, there's like a guarantee that, that you would but do that. Th- just because... A teenager would have that impetus does not make that impetus okay. Like, I want this story to be about... Because this movie, like we said, it's it's Mary Poppins. So you you feel like that this is not the first teenage boys that she's done this to. Like, at the end, it feels like the winds have have changed, Mary. And then she, like, opens her umbrella (laughs) and, like, flies away. But the movie explicitly says they created her. So... They are the first people she's ever met. Like, it's just, the movie doesn't know what it wants to be. And there's really interesting ideas and a really cool story potential there. But to me, it just feels so gross a lot of the time that I am shocked this hasn't gotten, like, a feminist remake. I don't know, man. I like. I feel like the gross people in this movie are the bad guys. Like Robert Downey Jr. and his lackey, like hyena cackling friend, are gross and lascivious. But these two you mean nerds Rod are from the- uh, Nightmare Two. Yes, but these two guys are like the epitome of they talk a big game, but there is nothing under that hat. See, I think that um, Anthony Michael Hall is kind of gross. Like, he's got some big Feldman energy. Like, how Feldman was always the, like, friend that you're like, okay, please don't say anything in front of my mom. Sure. But the the more handsome, what was his name? The more handsome of the Dollar two. St- Dollar Store Matthew Broderick. Oh, Yeah. You're right. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. They, he made this movie, and then a year later, he discovers Matthew Broderick for... Uh, John Hughes discovers <laughs> yeah, Matthew I was Broderick. Like, what? I don't think it was his breakout. I think he was in a few things before that. But John Hughes then makes Ferris Bueller's Day Off, and he's like, oh, this is the like caramel center of the candy bar movie that I want to make. Yeah. Like This is this is my guy. Il- I think his first name is Illin. He's actually... I was looking him up, because he he's only a, acted a little like bit. He's like an English professor now. Uh, professor of professor of medieval history. Oh, I thought it was English. 
and a huge D&D nerd, which seems like very on brand Love with it. that. Yeah. Um, yeah, so this is really interesting. So obviously this movie throws around the F-bomb. That sucks. Yeah. There's like one joke in it that I thought was kind of like fat shamey and kind of sucks. But I honestly disagree. Like, I don't think the movie is the... I don't think the point of view of the movie is as sexist as you do. I think the. I think there are some sexist characters in this movie... Robert Downey Jr. and and Rob from Nightmare Two specifically are very misogynist, but I, th- Anthony Michael Hall and and uh, you know Gary and Wyatt, the two main guys here, I don't think that they're sexist. I think they're horny. <laughs> yeah, but I I think it's just for me that overall they don't view. It doesn't seem as though they view women as people. They've it. It feels as though. But like, isn't that the whole point of the movie? I feel like you're, I feel like you and I, like, I feel like you are saying, like, you feel like we're using the exact same descriptor of this movie and you're like, here's why it's bad. And I'm like, oh, here's why it's good. It's like two horny teens learn that women are people and have a better their lives through their activities. And you're like, this movie really hates women and these boys don't learn that lesson. I, I, I disagree just, with I think you. for me as a film, like, could you fill out the back of the trading card for either of the two women they end up with? No. That that to me is a like the movie doesn't they don't learn shit about those two girls they don't get to like they do get to know them we just don't see it but that to me is the problem <laughs> like <laughs> you can't hand wave all of the the Hallmark movie falling in love stuff like it's not like they like we're established from the beginning like oh I've wanted her I've been in love with her since first grade. We grew up together. She choose Didn't they say she that? She choose Cherry Bubblicious. She's in math class with me. Like I wanted to hear stuff. Okay, but it does establish that they've been in love with these girls for forever in the beginning, doesn't it? Oh, I thought it was just that they happened to be the hottest ones in their gym class. I no, I was under the impression that they specifically really liked these two girls and were like, "Ugh, why are they dating such jerkwads?" Like that was my read of them talking about uh, Hilly and Deb. It could be. So maybe that's why that that right there is the crux of our different feelings, perhaps. Yeah, that's true. And one of those girls is from Killer Clowns. So like yes, right away, I'm also, like, "You don't. You're better than both these idiots." She also was on two different uh, Seinfeld episodes. She played the Nazi woman in the one where they get she the limo. She did play the Nazi in the limo. And she also plays Jerry's girlfriend who won't eat apple pie. Like, they're two years apart. One of those episodes is 92. I don't remember apple pie, but I remember the Nazi. It's, it's the B or C plot in the episode where the um, the mannequin looks like Elaine. Yeah, that's what I remember that. I don't remember the... <laughs> yes. So in, in the episode where the mannequin looks like Elaine... Uh, Suzanne Snyder, this actress, plays the woman Jerry is dating, and for some reason she won't eat the apple pie at Monk's, and Jerry like can't get can't deal with it. It's like a real C plot. Like we got to give Jerry something to do. Everybody else is on this adventure sort of situation. Yeah. Um, anyway, let's we'll, we'll get into the movie. We'll talk more about this stuff as as we go. I'm I'm, uh, I'm disappointed to hear that you didn't like watching the movie because I I really enjoyed this one. I but think we'll, we'll get to that as we go. I think it's. It's prime for a remake that gives the women more agency and more depth. Yeah. I mean, I, I I see the point you're making. I just ultimately feel like this isn't a movie about the two girls. It's the movie about the two boys. And they, like, the girls get a couple of scenes of, like, getting agency in terms of, we're dating these jerkwads. Why are we dating these jerkwads? We should dump them. And then, like, their boyfriends become the villains of the movie. And so they kind of lose the zeros and get with the heroes, so to speak. Oh, no, speak. I meant her. I meant Lisa. Like, 
Oh, I want to. So I see. I want. I, I don't think Lisa lacks agency at all. She's constantly in control of every situation she's in. I, I think. I think I, to me, I'm, this movie peppers in so many little things that I'm like, wait a minute. If you think about what just happened too hard, I want Elise. I want the movie to be Mar- like Mary Poppins is about Mary Poppins. I want Weird Science to be about Lisa. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I guess. I mean, I feel like Lisa gets so also, much to do just here. just write a fucking genie movie, John Hughes. Like, science doesn't work. Like, you can't say... Uh, this is not science, bud. It says it right there on the tin. Weird science. This is not your it regular bullshit. You can't just be like, oh, it's weird science. And she wiggles her nose like fucking Samantha in Bewitched. And their suits turn into zoot suits. Like, it's just magic. Just write a genie movie. <laughs> But this is the peak era in American pop culture of computers are magic. Yeah, that's true. I like, think this you is have just to remember the weakest that. of the John Hughes movies for me. Oh, I disagree. So, was St. Elmo's Fire in the mix? Oh, I forgot about St. Elmo's Fire. <laughs> so, there Come you go. on. Okay. <laughs> it's, of, it's on the weaker end of the Hughes spectrum. Now I have to double check that that's actually John Hughes and not just the Brat Pack at large, which it could be. No, I'm pretty sure St. Elmo's Fire is John Hughes. It's certainly the Brat Pack. Yeah. No, that's not. That's actually Joel Schumacher. Well, I mean, gay as hell Joel Schumacher. Yeah. Uh, No, I got them confused because it's all the Brat Pack folks. That's weird. I mean, obviously the worst John Hughes movie is Drillbit Taylor. Again, didn't even think about that one. (laughs) But... Yeah, I guess by default, this has to go on the bottom just because yeah, it's, so much. It's not 16 Candles. It's not Home Alone. Right. But like, I think this easily beats Mr. Mom, beats European Vacation. Well, this movie. So what I do think I appreciate about this movie is that this movie is the reason for the Griswold children running gag. Oh, really? Why is that? Because it was filming the same European Vacation was filming the same time as Weird Science. And they offered Anthony Michael Hall to come back for European vacation. He was like, oh, I can't. I'm doing weird science. So they just recast them and they turned it into a thing. Okay, clever. Which, like, I wouldn't give that bit up because I think it's a stupid little Yeah, it is. It is amusing. Yeah. So we, of course, start with Danny Elfman and Oingo Boingo. I was going to say, it's like, oh, it's it's my boy Danny. And I, I, this is, uh, I don't know if we've talked about this on the show before. We may have talked about this in, in real life before, but... I don't particularly personally care for Danny Elfman as a film composer. I mean, we I don't think about he's this like bad. Okay. I, I, he has his moments. I think he has like a limited scope. Oingo Boingo is easily the epitome of weird nerdy kid rock band kind of sprinkled with like weird goth kid rock band that like probably would have been something akin to what i would have written if i was writing songs when i it's was 15. like if devo spray painted their cone hats black yeah but weirder you don't think like, Devo's weird i think Devo's weird i think oingo boingo is like borderline nonsense <laughs> like the lyrics of of weird science and dead man's party and I want to say right after that, I like a lot of Oingo Boingo songs. I think they're really fun. I was literally dancing in my house to the credits of this oh, movie, yeah. like actually standing and dan- dancing. I think I love the beat of Weird Science. So it's really odd to me that I love his sort of compositional oeuvre in the Oingo Boingo realm. Like, I think the music is always great. The lyrics are garbage, usually. 
in an Oingo Boingo song, they're like great to dance to. And if you listen to the words, you're like, what is he saying now? Test tubes and rubber beakers? What? <laughs> what is he saying? But it's really interesting to me. He's like, I don't super love him as a film composer. But when he was writing these Oingo Boingo songs, I'm like, man, you could write a song Although, to dance like to. Like I said during Beetlejuice, when you hear a Danny Elfman film score, it sets the tone for exactly the kind of movie you're going to watch. I would argue this Oingo Boingo song absolutely sets oh, up that, that does we're too. in like cartoon weird world. But like yeah. any Danny Elfman music, you're like, oh, this this sets the tone. Like be- the Beetlejuice beginning. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I really like the Beetlejuice score. I don't like Danny Elfman at large. I think like I th- I think that he, much like John Williams, goes back to the same like it's like he has a one spot that he kind of lives in. I like John Williams one spot that he lives in. I don't super love the spot that Danny Elfman lives in. So that's just my own personal take. Yeah. I, I'm not saying like not a rule for society kind of situation. Anyway, we're in a gymnastics class or is it gymnastics practice or gym class? What was your gym read class. here? I think it's one of those weird eighties gym classes where they're like, we're going to do a very specific sport in which most of you can get hurt. <laughs> it's incredibly dangerous. Good luck. Here's four, here's yeah, four loose pennies that aren't the same color and a half-deflated basketball. <laughs> Have fun. Uh, yeah, I, I I, was like, someone is doing the either the parallel bars or the uneven bars. I'm not quite sure. I never remember which one is which. But they're doing the, either. like, spinning around, spinning around, like, twirling, like, incredibly dangerous moves. Oh, no. And women, then there's, like, it, women do the uneven bars because that's um, what the girl in Jurassic Park did. That's how she kicked okay. the raptor. <laughs> we, we have had this exact same conversation with the exact same resolution on this podcast more than once. I, oh, I know okay. that to be that, true. Because that's my only um, frame of reference, your only reference. for gymnastics. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so, so there's one person doing that. And then we cut to like a wide shot. And there's like people doing sort of tumbling routines, which are also things that you need to learn. Like somersaults, I guess, are pretty basic. Anyone can do them. And I feel like when I was in maybe elementary I, I was school, say, when you're elementary school was like, learn how to somersault. Because your body's a lot more flexible back then. Yeah. Like you're less likely to break your neck on a backward somersault. Whereas like, if I did that now, decent chance, snap neck. <laughs> well, also when you get older, you're like, oh, I could hurt myself. And then I don't know, like, what does my health insurance look like? What do I say? Are they going to cover you're an idiot trying to somersault? (laughs) Yes, exactly. I do remember tumbling at at our the elementary school where you went for a few years i just went for fifth grade and doing a backwards somersault and being like really proud of myself and then thinking i could do it again on grass and getting like halfway and be like this hurts i'm not gonna finish (laughs) because there was like a soft mat i was always a big tumbler um, but yeah, uh, we get RDJ and was it Rob you said from, Rod from Back the of the, or Nightmare 2? I'm pretty sure oh, it's Rod. 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 Okay. I forgot RDJ was in this movie. I, I so, did too. Uh, for context, I've definitely watched this movie a bunch of times. I very much enjoyed it as a kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have not watched it in probably 15 years. And it was one of those ones that I kind of put on the shelf and was like, do I dare take that down? Because like... <sighs> Man, I, it's going to disappoint me, isn't it? It's going to be really bad in some way or another. Like, it's just not going to hold up culturally. I, I It's interesting, though. I felt less embarrassed, like, personally, like, in, internal embarrassment watching this than I do some of the stuff I watched when I was a little older, like your American Pie franchise mm-hmm. and stuff. Like, a lot of that stuff is honestly way worse and more cringe-inducing to me to rewatch. Well, also, because that's so recent. Like American Pie is yes, like that's true. maybe twenty years old ish. Yeah, 
this is 99. Yeah, this is like 35 years old, which when it gets right. farther away, you're like, oh, look how, look at the way things used to be. Right. Although right. 20 years, goddamn, saying that out loud, that's yeah. pretty far. Mm-hmm. So we get a classic pantsing gag. Uh, of course, the boys have on tidy whities Really surprised there was not a heart boxers on one of them. That is like such a classic. See, I thought it was going to be naked naked like they were gonna pants yeah. and be like covering with their hands yes that would have honestly that joke's funnier mm-hmm. or if it's like a jock strap like for some reason they have to wear jocks and jeans because then you could get the the butt like when they pull down mm-hmm. the pants it's like butt butt mm-hmm. yeah i honestly wonder if they were too young to have their butts out yeah the they, ones these are 14. both very young yeah and apparently when he kissed lisa he put her his tongue in her mouth and she said if you do that again i'll kick the shit out of you Wait, wait, wait. Kelly LeBrock? Yes. He he slipped her the tongue? And she said, and when they when they finished the take, she was like, you do that again, and I'll kick the shit out of you. That's awesome for her. Sucks that he did that. Oh, yeah. Although, I, I what was this? This was his first thing, right? I, he, he might have had one other project. Because I feel like at the, he's probably like, oh, do we just kiss like normal people kiss? Like, <laughs> I feel like, I feel like somebody walked him through it. And he decided not to, given how anything works. Yeah, I know. I was trying to hope for the best. I also think it's, uh, I wanted to say this early. So she is a model who got cast in this because of how she looks. But I think this is one of those situations like an Almost Famous where, and I use this as my example all the time. I think Kate Hudson is like a perfectly serviceable actress. She's fine. Like she has a narrow range of what she's good at. You can put her in that box and she can be fine in it. In Almost Famous, she bats way out of her league, really carries this movie, is just phenomenal in it. Mm-hmm. And it's like... She has no business the, being as good as she is in Almost Famous. No! No! She, like, you watch her in that movie and you're like, oh my god, do we have, like, a new Meryl Streep? Like, is this gonna be, like, every year like, we get oh, a Kate right, Hudson movie? Oh, right, you're Goldie Hawn's daughter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Kurt Russell is your stepdad. Oh, yeah. Like, you have, you have this, like, wonderful pedigree. And then you watch anything else and you're like, oh, no, it was just key. And you're like, oh, yes, yes. But it's 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 like if you get the right script and the right director and the right circumstances, magic happens. And I think that honestly is the best explanation for this Kelly LeBrock performance. It's just the perfect conflagration of her being like coached the right way, given the right material to work with and having, you know, being like loose and comfortable on screen, which honestly is shocking to me how comfortable she looks as oh, somebody who's she's so at ease. barely acted. Yeah. And it's, she's, she, she runs this whole, like she's basically the, the narrative thread that holds the whole movie together. I can't say enough nice stuff about how good her performance is in this she's and watching really it wonderful. as an adult. Well, it's funny yeah. when I was younger and, um, when I was younger and thought about this movie as something I, you know, had a vague memory of, my brain filled in this bo- filled in her part with Gina Davis because I was more familiar oh. with her, and like they kind of have a similar like. I could see it, yeah. Like their facial structures. Yeah, it's like how when I was younger, I thought Elaine from Seinfeld was in Moonstruck because on the cover. It looks oh, like... Oh, right. That's a, it's a share painting. It's yeah, it doesn't share, look like her very much. It's Cher, like, with her head back and her arms out. And I was like, oh, it's Elaine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The hair. Yeah. Your, Gina Davis is also very hair-influenced. Yeah. Like, I, you, you could light Gina Davis's poofy hair in the way that would look Kelly LeBrock-ish if you couldn't see her face. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And we get a very tame... 
You actually used to do that a lot as a kid. A lot. Like anytime, anytime hair was similar, you'd be like, "Oh, that person looks like that person," and we would all be like, "No, they don't." And then you'd be like, "Their hair is the same." And we're like, "That's yeah, it. I yeah. guess." But that's the list. But we get some really tame and kind of lame opening credits. Like I was expecting something more, you know, like a Christmas computer gizmos and doodads, Christmas vacation style, where like people going like. Mm. Like the cartoon character picks up a test tube and it's got someone's name on it and they drip it into another test tube that's got someone's name. Like, give me more. It's literally the logo and then electricity crackles. to The logo pops up and then electricity crackles to show people's names. And I was like, oh, it's like Vibes. Vibes also gave me a very disappointing um, title sequence. Yeah, this was very generic-y, not, not super yeah. toned to the movie. Especially considering, jo- at this point, John Hughes is pretty established, right? Yeah, I I honestly wonder if it's just a situation of, like, we spent a lot of money on effects, we don't have a lot of money left for this, like, thing that ultimately doesn't really add a lot to the movie. True. You know what I mean? Uh, they're watching Frankenstein, which is a nice, uh, you know, wink-wink about what the movie's about to become. And they decide, oh, you know... We're dorks. We can't talk to girls. Let's make one. Weird that they didn't try to make two. <laughs> yes. Like, uh, that feels like an oversight. Weird. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, I guess they thought that they would share, maybe. Uh, I do really say so this. So, like, here's the part where I think the movie could go. Like, I guess your reading about a scene like this one is determines how you feel about the movie. Because... They're talking about her breasts and it could, it's like, how big do we make them? And of course they hit the button for like as big as possible. And then Anthony Michael Hall says like very wisely as if he knows, oh, anything bigger than a handful, you're risking a sprained thumb. And he says it like, oh, I thought he said thumb. No, I'm pretty sure he says tongue. Why would he say handful? Like it's small. Like he was just saying size, size wise. Right. But he says anything bigger than a handful. Anything bigger than a mouthful? No, he says tongue. I'm like 99% sure that the uh, closed caption says tongue. That I, I, But that doesn't make sense for the rest of the line. If it's too big for your hand, you would sprain your thumb. Why? Like that is the, that is, but, are, how are you, okay, how are you not, okay, you're seeing my hand I up am, here holding but an imaginary melon, using, right? Like, anything bigger than a foot, like anything bigger than six, seven inches. I Thumb is a funnier joke. I think both jokes are a little whatever, but... Okay, but okay, we don't need to get into this rabbit hole. I tweet us if you think it's thumb or a tongue. It's, I guess the closed captioning. I'm pretty sure says tongue. I just don't. I can't believe that. Just makes first of all, closed captioning is done by a second party, so it could be just they misheard. That always it. blows my mind that they don't just be like, yes. "Here's the script." Yes, um, but I just like that. John Hughes is a very good writer. That that punchline doesn't match that setup handful and thumb anyway this is stupid point being anthony michael hall has not seen a breast since he fed on one as a baby yes like other than what's in the playboys he has hidden under his bed he has like he has no idea what he's talking maybe about he's whatsoever re- isn't 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 it a playboy or no it's penthouse maybe he's reading the letters Maybe he's reading the penthouse letters, but he's not. He's got no idea what he's talking about. He's never touched a breast, let alone enough breasts to have opinions on sizes and vis-a-vis thumb or tongue sprainings. He just doesn't have this knowledge. So he says it so confidently, and his friend's like, oh, yeah, he nods as if this is, like, the most logical thing you could say. And then they adjust the size here. And to me, that is like, oh, these Dorcasauruses, like, this is... It's, we had another movie with a character 
who talked a big game like this. And I, my reading of it was he has no idea what he's talking about. And your reading of it was like, he's kind of gross. And I, I, you're like, right. I think I, was it a Feldman? It very much could have been a Corey Feldman performance. I don't remember specifically, but I, we've had this discussion before where it's like, I think the comedy of this is the confidence of this idiot. And you are like, he's kind of gross. And I, if he was, if he wasn't bragging, I like out of nothing, I would agree with you that it's a gross way to talk about women. It's it's a gross way to talk about women regardless, but he doesn't like he has no idea what he's talking about, and that's what makes it funny to me. Is like he clearly is just like, oh yeah, it's just like that line in 40 year old virgin where Steve Carell's like, you know, you touch a woman's breast and it feels like a bag of sand, and they're like, What? Like it's the same, it's the same type of joke. Yeah. To me, if it's like making the character look dumb but anyway that like he they do that whole thing and like that to me kind of encapsulates these two characters of hit like the one is like oh i know this stuff even though he does not and the other one is like well he knows so i should listen to him and that's sort of their whole dynamic they also don't ex- like I, I this movie goes right into the plot like they don't yeah i would have loved a few seconds of like why this computer like because he's like oh that thing you've been working on and i was like what has what has he been yes. working on that would lead you to believe we can create a human? <laughs> well, it's funny. Like a year later, he makes Ferris Bueller, and similarly in Ferris Bueller, like computers are just magic, and they're he just is like boop boop boop. I'm gonna hack into the mainframe at school and change my grades. Yeah, boop boop boop. I'm gonna hack into the NORAD and make a woman. Like it just, it's just, it's just John Hughes computer magic. Because at one point they pick up the phone. And dial into another computer somehow? Well, that's that's how the internet used to work. Wait, what? That's the, that's how the internet worked. You literally, that's what, like before they had the, the phone line you put directly in your computer. You know that like, beep, boop, 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 ee, Yeah, the AOL sound? That is literally the sound of the modem dialing. Oh. So this was an original modem. You put the receiver on it. You connected a phone to a computer and you would put on this special receiver. And by dialing tones, you could connect to other computers. Okay, then. This is like, this is the original internet. This is how it worked back then. Like you could, you could, if you knew how, oh, if you, you knew know the contact what? number for a place. When I was a young thing, I had an ET, like Game Boy game cartridge that was actually like a PDA. Uh-huh. And you could put phone numbers into it, and you could it could dial for you if you yes. hit the yep. If you would hit the dial button and hold the phone up, and it would play set, like tones through your Game Boy speakers and dial. So I never. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, this is a amusing anecdote of this era of computing. But Steve Wozniak, one of the co-founders of Apple, mm-hmm. was a big. Uh, they called them phone freakers, like P H R E A K, and they would they would basically steal long distance because. If you could, if you knew the right tones, you could steal long distance. And apparently there was a particular, oh man, I just, I, I want to say it was a, like a weenie whistle, but it wasn't a weenie whistle, but there was like a specific toy whistle that made a tone similar to one of the lo- company's long distance tones. And so people would like get these whistles and then you would dial a number and would like ask, when it went to make the connection, you would blow the whistle into the receiver and it would like make the connection for free. That's so smart. Yeah, so they would like, you know, you basically if you had like a rec- like honestly, if you had like a recorder or a keyboard, you could learn to type, you could learn to dial phone numbers on it hmm. if you back in the day. Now we don't do that kind of dialing, but that's basically what it was. That's pretty cool. Uh but yes, that is they physically dial into like NORAD. Mm-hmm. Like 
that's what he's doing when he does that phone thing. But then they just start playing friggin' Chex Quest. Yeah, I was gonna say, there's some weird... First, it's a digital Twilight Zone where an eyeball and E equals MC squared pop up. And then they, yeah. they it's Chex Quest as they're just walking through the... <laughs> they're walking down tunnels. It's just tech Chex Quest. Which it's crazy. Listeners, is is available. You can buy specially marked bags of Chex... And you don't even you don't even need to buy the specially marked bags of checks. The game is free. The specially marked bags of checks have codes it's for, for codes bonus for characters. characters. Yeah, if you on the inside yes. of, the ba- of the specially marked bags, they have like codes for characters to play as. I literally tweeted about this the same day I sent you that picture. Oh, did you? I was like, I was like, hey everybody, this isn't an ad, but Checks Quest is free, and I'm playing it right now. It's great. Uh Checks Quest because uh, we because we called it Checks Blaster at first on this podcast we pulled a mom. did we yeah oh we yeah oh, well, we like Checks Blat the Checks Blaster uh, my favorite is the one where they come to a room with three doors and they open the door on the right and it's like a skull and crossbones and it makes the rah, 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 rah kind of sound and they're like oops back up take the middle door and there's just another tunnel they're walking well, they, down no they they lock the skull in the room as though the skull's gonna come after oh them. right 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 they yes. put like a, a big old like bars come down it's so weird and then there's a montage of them, like, once they have hacked in and are accessing this computer for its processing power, they're like, okay, I have a scanner, so let's just feed things into it. We like, And this is the most Frankenstein-y part where they're feeding in, like, this pair of lips and this butt and these legs and this, that. But then they start scanning in, like, this is a picture of Einstein, and the computer is like, boop, 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 Einstein, okay, well, his first brain, I was like, got it. Because now I kind of want a, like, a deep fake movie where it's like, Kelly LeBach's body and Albert Einstein's head. <laughs> like Leslie Nope's weird fantasy where <laughs> yes. it's like the body of George Clooney and the head of Joe Biden. Yeah, like that's what I want is like, is, oh, the, the computer went wrong. Because somehow the computer scans Einstein and is like, oh, you want his brains. Yes, yeah, the computer knows exactly. This is also the part of the movie that features the very iconic bras on heads bit. Yeah, it's... It's never explained why they chose to do that. I think this is a real uh, Anthony Michael Hall's character is like, we should wear bras on our heads. And the other one's like, okay. Also, those are a mom. Those There's no sister. Oh, yeah. There's no sister in the house. So that's a mom bra, which is like almost a little weirder. I think it's a little weirder. I think it's a lot weirder. I mean, wearing your sister's bra on your head is also a weird. Like, there's they're all weird. Yes. Yes, but we're talking about sister versus mom. Mom, unequivocally, the weirder choice. Also, they could have just gone to, like, buy them. Yeah. Like, that would be a third option that would be weird, but significantly less weird than either. But they made up this plan, because this, this whole movie is a weekend. Oh, I know. Which is yeah, crazy like, to think about. Yeah, it's, it's you're alone, home alone for the weekend. We gotta, we gotta have an adventure. So we get this uh, insane Shermer montage at this point with, like, a dog's Shermer? on a ceiling... Shermer, Illinois, oh. is where the, all the John Hughes movies take place. It feels very Carousel of Progress. Yeah, like, I could get that. It's a combination of the final scene when the oven explodes and all the tree stuff, and the second scene where he's where he, where all the like the fridge opens and the and the sure and the yeah, oven, yeah, yeah all that stuff flaps around. Yeah, no, absolutely. I really like the dog on the ceiling and the woman like looking up at it. That's probably my favorite. The flaming town sign looks great too. Oh yeah, I the the lights always look like they're about to eject flame anyway, and then they do, and it's very satisfying. Yeah. Um, 
We also get a cool flexing haunted mansion door as yeah, Kelly Brock it kind of like bulges f- out and then explodes. Right onto his stop making sense poster, which I liked. Mm-hmm. And uh, what Le- Lebec is that her name? LeBrock. LeBrock. Kelly LeBrock. Kelly LeBrock comes out in an outfit I wear on the reg. Yeah, no, this is basically uh, one of your regular outfits. And she, uh, you know, has all the smoke billowing behind him. And it's like, what do you two maniacs want to do first? And we cut to the shower, which is like, yeah, of course, that makes sense. Um, this is another movie, like I talked about, was it last time? The, whatever Xanadu was. Where yeah, that was the last time. This movie could be like the Wishmaster, where she's an evil sure. genie. Like that, yeah. that to me would be equally interesting, but she's like, oh, wow, it'll be really easy to manipulate these two sexless nerds. Yeah. So th- see, this part's really interesting to me because like this is one of the scenes where I feel like the way her character acts is okay to me because she's, she's like completely aware that she's a robot, that she's been created or what, by is these Is she a kids. robot or what? Well, not a robot, uh, that she's a uh, con conjured by these two kids i don't know what she is technically but (laughs) like the two yeah yeah but she knows that like she knows she's not a real person and she knows that she has magic powers and she talks about them and like boy we really gotta get you two guys to loosen up like to me that's the thesis of the movie is like at the end of this scene she's like if you guys don't loosen up we're not gonna have a good time it's also you know we talked about sexy mary poppins it's also very sexy cat in the hat now that I think about Which, it. I mean, Mary Poppins and Cat in the Hat are cut from the same cloth. No, for sure, for sure. But it's definitely more of the like, like, ooh, mom's away, we'll have an adventure, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> I, I must have missed the scene <laughs> where the cat in the hat came out okay, in a well, crop top and panties. <laughs> okay, well, the cat in the hat is naked except for a hat, so he's more naked okay, than Kelly right. LeBrock. And second of Can all, those are actual children. If Kelly LeBron came out wearing <laughs> just a hat, she comes out wearing just the cat in the hat hat. <laughs> like a 90s raver. Yeah. <laughs> well, that'll be the cover art for this episode. Just us and cat in the hat hats everywhere. Yeah, no, I like it's got a real cat in the hat vibe. I, I, I we talked about Mary Poppins, so they're similar, but the, I so like here is where she's like, you two have to really loosen up, and then we pan back, and it's a really great you know setup shot here by John Hughes that the or whoever the DP was, I I didn't look. Um, he might have written but, that into the script. Yeah, for sure. And you it reveal oh the two guys are standing in the shower with their jeans and shoes on. Yeah, like I like that. It's just I think my biggest problem is that like she's an adult and they are 15 and there's a weird sexual relationship. Like if she's not though, like she she kisses one of them and she grabs his butt, which I guess is inappropriate. Uh, Obviously would be inappropriate since he's a child, but they don't have sex with her. I know, but like they're naked in the shower with her. Like, well, they're not, (laughs) but she, she is naked in the shower. Yeah. Yeah. I think if it was more of a me- not mentor, like a like a Mary Poppins role, where like they're like, oh, wh- well, what do you want to do first? Sexy Mary, and Poppins. they're like, uh, shower with you, and she's like, absolutely not. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I I I think I'm clouded by the fact that I just I genuinely had a good time watching this movie. Like I think if if they had been outside the frost, like the glass, and it was like fr- the frosted glass, and you could kind of see her silhouette. Like that, I think I would be more okay with. 
yeah, than I just, an adult woman th- showering with two children. Yes, although I think that she is an adult, as in she's like eighteen and they're sixteen. She's supposed to be eighteen. I well, they never say how old she is, but I don't think she's like a, like a middle aged woman. No, but I I thought she was like in her twenties. Mm, I guess they never really established this. She well, she is downloaded, so right, right. She's she's one day old, I guess. Yeah, technically. technically speaking. So so they're the creeps. Yeah, I I guess the I guess the reason that I feel the way I do is that like these are such huge, enormous, sexless dorks that like I don't think they there's any threat obviously it's inappropriate for an adult woman to shower with a child who's not their own child (laughs) like i obviously feel that way i don't think i need to clarify that but just in case anyone in the back it's always best just to say it yeah um but it's like it doesn't feel predatorial to me because it's like very clearly what these two kids want and also nothing really happens like they see her butt yeah i i mean i know nothing really happens it's just i think that's the kind of stuff that that clouds this movie for me. Yeah, I get it. I get it. I think that's reasonable. Cause it feels like the movie wanted it, wanted to be these two guys build a lady to have sex with. Yeah. But that's not like that. Is, that is the, the genesis of them building this woman, but they obviously don't go through that. I mean, I, let's be blunt. You could take the sentence I just said of like, it's obviously what they wanted and use it to be the worst person on earth. Yes. Right. Like you could, you could absolutely do that. I don't know. Something about the, like the charm of this is like, yeah, it's a 16 year old boy. Of course they wanted to build a beautiful woman to have sex with them because they don't even know how to talk to girls like that all jives to me. Mm-hmm. Anyway, there's a fun bit here where they're like in the room getting ready to go out and they're clearly wearing Either the dad's or the brother's jackets. And one Anthony is Michael the brother, Hall's... one is the dad. Okay. Well, Anthony Michael Hall is sipping on a juice box and then talking like he's like Mr. Sophisticated. And I just love the juxtaposition. He's, pulling like a, he's trying to talk like Don Draper. With, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's taking a sips. Yes. <laughs> like, as you know, uh, we're going to go out. And and this is the first instance of... Because they walk out of the room and their suits spark and change completely and they don't notice yes and i was like what just happened and then <laughs> right because the movie doesn't even it, it, there's no implication that lisa did the, or whatever she isn't named yet but there's no indication that she did it right we get this cool like electric wipe across the screen mm-hmm. like as a transition and then we're in the car uh we go to a car. bar i the, yeah what's well, a pink convertible <laughs> It's rad. Um, they get to this bar and they're like, we're 16. I can't even drive. And she's like, don't worry about it. And she produces these fake IDs. And I looked at him and I was like, holy shit. Is this what an ID actually looked like back in the day? No wonder fake IDs are a prevalent thing throughout p- culture. Because like, how easy would it be to fake this? I think they they had to have been because it's always laminated like that. Like it, mm-hmm. it seems like that's what IDs looked like. Yeah. I mean. No wonder people had rampant fake IDs back then. It just like I could I could whip one of these up no problem. I could find a laminator. Like I could hand draw on an index card and run it through a laminator, and it seems like they'd be like, eh, sure. Yeah, absolutely. I was I was flabbergasted at how fake this ID looked. It's also the weirdest looking. Did you know anybody who had one that wasn't like? Uh, older sibling or friend that looked like them and gave them an old license. Did you know anyone who had like an actual, like it was, it was not a real license that was owned by a different person and then got passed down to them, but like an actual honest to goodness fake ID. Um, 
I don't think so, because in P in PA the laws are different, right? Like the if you get caught with a fake ID. So <laughs> I don't know if that's true, but I knew that too. I have no idea if that's just that's, that's what I always heard. Or, oh, so I was yeah, like, yeah. I, I never had one, and I'm not. It's not because I like I just was never cool enough to have one. I, I'm not saying I didn't drink before I was 21. I just didn't have a fake ID. I didn't drink till college, but by that point, it was like I knew enough. 21 year olds it was yeah, like yeah, hey yeah well and people were always like oh i bet your younger brother like people would when i turned 21 people were like i bet your younger brother's happy and i was like you've never met him guarantee that <laughs> <laughs> there is there is no way that that would work not in a million billion years yeah right it's like i would happily give it to him but uh not gonna be helpful to him nope yeah i i was just curious i i asked this question at a uh socially distant gathering I was at recently and there was only one person who actually did it, but they were older enough than me. Like they were closer to 40. And so they were probably like the last gasp because there was like one or two States at that point that didn't have any, la- any sort of reflective mm-hmm. who's a what's it's and you could get them from that state. Basically <laughs> it's <laughs> like you could, you could have them manufactured, but I was just curious if you knew because yeah, I, I, I did, did not, not- um, I think my friends all just had siblings or like new people to get it. That's the way I knew people to get fake IDs now is like, it's an actual license. that just doesn't belong to them. Well, no, I don't, I it wasn't who, even the ID. Cause we, none, I don't think I knew anyone who was going to bars. It was just like, I knew someone who could get alcohol. So yeah, I had a friend in college who found this woman's ID and like, it was mostly because she was a woman that this worked, but we were probably like 19. This person was 30. She like found a driver's license that was about to expire. So I think that's why she didn't go through a lot of effort to get it back to the person. <laughs> and so she used this about to expire and then expired ID to go to all these bars. It would be the equivalent of if I had an ID and the picture on it was me, Diego Luna. <laughs> like they were very clearly of different races they had different hair length and color and she just used it like all over the place and it worked like, she could get into a bar oh yeah she'd get into a bar she got into well college park at the time had three bars and none of them gave a shit about anything <laughs> I, when i when i was when i was this junior in college a new bar opened it was a big deal because there were only three and now there were four and their special was on uh thursdays you could get a mixed drink pitcher for five dollars like a pitcher of mixed drinks so like a rum and coke but in a pitcher oh and one time yes a pitcher of rum and coke was five dollars like a big pitcher or like a small pitcher like a no like a beer pitcher full of rum and coke i mean they put a lot of ice in it of course but it was like six drinks easily yeah and i went in once and i was like Oh, I'm going to drink this very slowly by myself. I have a great idea. I'll ask for no ice in the pitcher, and then I will ask for a big cup of ice, and I will just, like, you know, drink this very slowly over the course of the night. And the guy proceeded to pour, like, mm, 75% of a fifth of vodka or of rum into the pitcher. And so I walked back to the table, and I was like, this is basically poison, so everybody just drink this. Go get cups of ice. And then we all drank it. That's I'm surprised he did that. 
Well, he was dumb. Oh, <laughs> he was an absolute moron. That's fair. Like, he, he did not think, he just like kept pouring and was like, oh, I fill it up to here with liquor and then I put soda in it. So it's like, well, without the ice, I fill it up to here. <laughs> he just gives you a straw and Jack Daniels. Yeah, basically. He basically handed me a fifth, a, a mixed drink with a fifth of liquor in it. And I was like, well, this is going to have to be distributed to friends. But yeah, that, like. I could see that type of bar making all sorts of fake ID decisions like these two kids. Yeah. You were talking about the decor, decor of the bar before well, I tainted it. It's not necessarily the decor. It's like the bar itself is just weird. I can't tell who's the normal clientele. It, like some people are looks like they're in costumes. It's very weird. <laughs> yes. It's, it sounds like it's supposed like from the clientele they end up drinking with. It seems like it's like an old, old black guy blues bar. Like that's the clientele. It seems like and it's the, the bar from Adventures in Babysitting. Yes, for but sure. It's not yes. a bar from Adventures in no. Babysitting. No. It's very hip and neon looking inside. And I, I honestly wonder if it was a case of like, we had written this scene and this is what it, the scene is. And then they just couldn't find a good bar. And so they were like, screw it. We'll just do it like, here. It looks like Todd and Margot's house from Christmas Vacation. Yes. Yeah. It's very uh, all right angles, lots of chrome and neon and very shiny. Mm-hmm. I like the bit where uh, Wyatt goes into the bathroom and he goes into a stall and there's like a person in it. Like yeah. he goes and sits on someone's lap. I think that's that's really great. Um, and then this is the part I alluded to earlier, which obviously is pretty rough, uh, I think. But Anthony Michael Hall is sitting down with a bunch of older black men and talking to them and they're not having any of his, his business. And the guy pours him just like a huge tumbler full of whiskey and he gives, he's get very drunk and he just basically does a Richard Pryor character called Mudbone. Like it's just, he just, he even said that in interviews. He's like, I just did this Richard Pryor bit. Hmm. Um, it does it does. It is not good, but also isn't as bad as I was afraid it was going to That's be true. when I was like, because I haven't seen this until I was like, I remember he like, in the words of Airplane, talks jive. I just don't remember how bad it was. Yeah, I was like, this is weird. It's also weird. Again, they're just like two children and an adult woman hanging out with a bunch of grown men. <laughs> Yes, and they're all fine with it. Also, the guy who plays the who's supposed to be like the Hispanic guy is the um, uh, the Breakfast Club janitor. Oh, is Did it you really? Catch that? Yeah, yeah. Where there's this really great. I do find this bit really, really funny. He like points at Anthony Michael Hall, and he's talking about uh, talking about him to Kelly LeBrock, and he's like, "What are you doing with this Malacca?" And then Anthony Michael Hall is like. Dino, she likes malacas, and like everybody laughs at it. And I, I really like that bit. I thought was like well yeah, put together. The whole structure is nice. But yeah, I was like that guy looks really familiar. And I looked him up. He's the Breakfast Club janitor. Oh. I also think that this part would come off way worse if Anthony Michael Hall wasn't the butt of the joke for all of it. That's very true. Like it's not. It's not that he's win. He's like winning them over, be- but it's because he's so drunk and stupid. Yes, and and like gets fall down drunk and is an idiot, but he isn't like later. There's a scene where Robert Downey Jr.'s lackey comes up to one of these guys when he was tending bar at their party, and he's like, "What's up, my brother? How you doing?" And the guy's like, "Absolutely not. Yeah, no, thank you. Sit down." <laughs> yes, uh, and here it's Anthony Michael Hall tries that, and they're like, "No, you're an idiot." And then he like becomes the court jester in in this. And they're like, "Yeah, all right, you're fine." Yeah. 
Um, so they drive home and I just, I don't get why. Wait, sorry. There's one more thing that I really like at that bit is like, they're leaving and Anthony Michael Hall is falling down drunk and he just takes out cash and just starts throwing money on yeah, people's I, tables. Where was he getting the cash from? <laughs> I have no idea. It makes no sense. Like, sorry. I, then we, that, then we, that could yeah. have been a Kelly LeBrock, like pulls out mu- like, like mm-hmm. materializes cash in her hand. Yeah. No, I think that would have been great. Genie. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's probably what happened. But I just I don't like that he he talks in this annoying stupid voice the whole time he's yes. drunk. Yeah. Well, he's just doing this like I said, Richard Pryor character. Is it still the Richard Pryor character? Yeah, All that play? voice and everything is this is this Mudbone character. Because this is where we meet Bill Paxton, who I forgot was in this movie. Yeah, he's like so good. He's given us some real Nicolas Cage energy. Yes. Wait, what? Did yeah, you say? this Chet. I said R.I.P. Oh, I forgot he passed away. It was like a weird medical thing, like a surgery gone wrong type deal. In like I the believe. last year or so, right? It, I don't. It was not that long ago. I don't know specifically how long yeah. ago. He also has a terrifying flat top as this character. It's like it's awful. <laughs> it's like a Dick Tracy drawing, basically. <laughs> he is. He's flat and I was top. like. Yeah, he is flat top. And I was like, wow, that is like, and I couldn't stop looking at it every time he's on screen. Cause like when you see it up close, there's like some parts around his temples that are a little longer and kind of slicked back, but like stopped t- the, at the height. It's just very odd. Yeah. He probably immediately shaved his head to try to fix it after this weird haircut. Oh, probably. Well, I said, hang on. I said he was uh, Nicolas Cage, but also uh, it's as if Nicolas Cage played Biff from Back to the Future. Yes, exactly. And unhinged cage, we should be clear. Yeah, early. I, the primo unhinged cage. Right, right. Although, like, every once in a while now, you get a glimmer of it. It pops through and you're like, oh, maybe this will be, be the one I want. He's that There's way. a movie he's in. Mom and Dad. Yeah, yeah, that's the kind of thing. There's also a movie that just came out on Hulu or Prime, one of the streaming channels. It's called Primal, and like he's a big game hunter who's transporting a cat, like a like a leopard or something. Mm-hmm. And there's a convicted felon who breaks out of his chains and like starts running all over the boat. And Nick Cage is basically playing Crocodile Dundee crossed with the hunter from Jumanji. <laughs> he's um, oh god, Richard Attenborough, right? Uh. No. David Attenborough. David Attenborough is the guy who narrates Planet Earth. Richard Attenborough is the guy who played John Hammond. Damn it! <laughs> I don't know the actor you're talking about, but the, it's he, it's he just it has the look of that guy, yeah. not so much the energy. Anyway, um, I also like this part here with Chet where he's like trying to harass the drunkies, mm-hmm. which you know it's it's always fun to mess with drunk people, but he's doing like oh I'm gonna make you grossed out and sick and like. That's more of a next morning thing to me than a night of where he's talking about like, oh, how about a greasy pork sandwich in a dirty ashtray? Like that's a hangover puke to me, yes. not necessarily a night of. And then he's like making fake puke sounds and he threatens his brother. Like if he pukes, you're dead. <laughs> and then we cut to like they go to sleep, wake up the next morning and these little shits are like fresh as a daisy. Like yeah. they've not had a thing to drink. And I was like, oh, you both suck. 16. You're the worst. Oh, to be I 16. Hate you. you and your functional livers and lack of hangover bodies full of, you know, vital cells and not just decrepit I'll corpses. never forget the pride that I was hung over at 7 p.m. Because we started drinking at like 10 and stopped at 4. And then by 7, it was like, I'm hungover. 
Yeah. I If I drink too much now, I get hung, hangovers that last for at least one day. I had a two-dayer, and I was like, I can't do this. I just cannot. I was like, <laughs> Sailor Jerry rum is off the table for me forever. I just cannot with this. He also tells his brother that he has to pay him $175. Oh, yeah. And I was like, well, that, where is he even going to get? It's not like he. there's any indication that he has allowance or something. Yeah, I needed a, that's my bar mitzvah money. Obviously, they're not Jewish, but like, I needed that kind of thing. Like, Nana gave me that money. Nana and Pop gave me yeah, that money. Yeah, exactly. Or I, that's my lawn mowing money or whatever it is. Because mm-hmm. then he could have had a uh, a real Honey, I Shrunk the Kids RC lawnmower moment. Yes. Yeah, that would have been fun. I think I, 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 more, I wanted more inventions from, like, if he's a nerdlinger who's got this fancy ass computer, I wanted some more, like, inventions in science. I also, it occurred to me here that, like, all throughout our discussion, I've been, like, saying they don't have sex with Kelly LeBrock, but he is wearing her clothes here. Yeah, he, I, that's not explained. No, no, because he, he, like, gets up out of the bed, he fixes the underwear, like, pulls him out of his butt a little bit, and then Anthony Michael Hall spikes the camera, does, like, a little Jim Halpert, and then there's the so kids down. Oh, yeah, there's a lot of spikes. They're on purpose. They're Jim oh, Halpert yeah. spikes, not, like, yeah. But... Then he's arguing with Chet because of these clothes, like Chet's calling him a deviant and whatnot. But yeah, I was like, and now that I think about it, like, did they have sex? I don't know what they're supposed to imply there. It's because well, she says that I, she said, I, you fell asleep 10 seconds into my gymnastics routine. But I'm like, that still doesn't explain uh, why he put on your clothes. Right, right. It's like in, so here's a real deep cut for maybe one person who's listening. I don't know. In the second high school musical movie. The the I'm gay... gonna take a quick nap while you do this. No, anecdote. it's gr- it's hilarious. The gay brother and the and Corbin Blue sing a song to each other about like I don't dance, and then for literally no reason in the next scene they have switched clothes. Huh? And people are always like, "What happened between A and B?" <laughs> There's also a bit uh, that I I was just trying to catch up with my notes here. Oh, it's also the Exorcist the... theme. They wake up to the Exorcist theme. Really? The tubular bells, yeah. When they're like looking around the room, it's like that boop, 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 boop. I did not catch that at all. It was really tubular bells? I'm like 99% sure it was tubular bells. Huh. It was It was enough that I wrote it down. No, I believe you. I just didn't catch that at all. I wonder if that's just a little Danny Elfman business. Probably. There's also a bit of the night before when Chet is accosting them that he's like, you two couldn't get laid in a morgue. And I was like... Chet, is there something we should talk about? Because no one should get laid in a morgue. Like, even if that's your thing, like, that's that's not appropriate. I'm sorry if that's your thing, but no. Like, your thing being having sex with other consenting living humans in the morgue yeah, is just, yes. like, there are people in there who can't consent to that business, so no, that's not okay. <laughs> we also get to see uh, Bill Paxton's butt because he whips his towel off and he's like, cover yourself, you're indecent. And I was like, well, now you're naked, which is confused. worse. Oh, you know what? Uh, Kelly LeBrock also says, you made me, you control me just yes. like five minutes before. And I was like, that's why I don't like, like, that creeps me out. Yeah, but they never do anything yucky. That's the thing. Like, they're not like, all right, now come upstairs and service both of us. You know, like they don't I know, do that. But that's still a line of dialogue that she's. I agree. I agree. Says. It's weird. No, I'm with you. I really like this scene at the perfume counter where they're just like fumbling at scents and then finally pick one. And the, the girl working the counter is like, you buying something for your mom? And they're like, no, for our girlfriend, actually. 
uh, wrap one of these up for me. Uh, and and you know, Hull's like, and wrap one up for me too. And you know what? Wrap one up for yourself as well. I just, that's this whole character of like, he doesn't know what the hell he's doing at any point. Yeah. Again, I wrote, which is funny because I wrote, I really hate these two. <laughs> yeah. See, I, you have no patience for that type of character. And like, I kind of, I like, I get it. It's like, you just speak confidently and people think you know things. I mean, that is 99% of my life. But I think I'm also not, I don't, I feel like I'm not annoying about it. See, I don't find him annoying. I find it endearing and funny. Like, I like the, I think the character is very funny. I think it's a very good Anthony Michael Hall performance. Well, isn't, Anthony Michael Hall is also in Edward Scissorhands, right? Isn't, yes, he's a bad guy. He's the boyfriend. Yeah. Uh, Kelly LeBrock said a lingerie counter with a very old woman asking you like, if you were a 15 year old boy, would this turn you on? And the woman is horrified as she should be. Which again, why is she talking about turning on a 15 year old if she's not actually trying to turn on a 15 year old? Right. I, I, I don't know. She never does it in the movie. I that- she might do it off screen, but yeah. And then she's like, do you have any bras that match this leather, <laughs> leather spikes, barbed wire? And the old lady is like... <laughs> fuck off <laughs> yeah this next scene is one that is like only in a movie oh uh, yeah they're sitting they're sitting down on the first floor the two guys wyatt and uh, gary and above them is robert Downey jr and his hyena friend and the hyena friend is like i'm gonna pour my icy on them and he does it and the entire mall stops no one is concerned no one looks up like oh god what's wrong the entire mall points and laughs at them literally points and laughs at them yeah it's it's hilarious so 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 silly the girlfriends bail at this like you guys suck whatever and then there's one of those classic movie gags of like the girls look at them and they're doing puppy dog eyes the girls turn away they start like humping the air and then looking back yeah it's like these guys are the villains like there's very clearly the bad guys and then as they're on the escalator kelly lebrock is on the opposite escalator and her outfit, I didn't think was like particularly sexy and salacious. She's like wearing a a classic John Hughes giant coat. Yeah, and I I think I think it's just because Kelly LeBrock is a very beautiful. Oh, woman. she's beautiful, but I was like, she could have had like at least have the jacket off your shoulder. Also, this mall sequence I really like because we were talking on one of our previous episodes just recently about how like the decades kind of. Oh, yeah, it was on our on the Patreon episode of Bill and Ted about how, like, the fashion sort of, um, or the decade sort of goes from, like, the twos to the two or the three to the three. This is, like, peak 80s fashion in that it looks like all of these people got dressed via leaf blower, especially <laughs> Robert Downey Jr. Yes. Like, it's just like you threw all your clothes in a pile and went, like, all right, I'm going to stand in the corner and you just fire him at me. And it was like, whatever I catch. And he just grabs it like, you know, a person in one of those dollar bills. The dollar, the dollar booths. Yeah, and they're just like frantic. He's just like frantically grabbing clothes because he's got two different height socks on. It might be the same sock pushed to different heights, but it's two yeah. different height socks on. The shorts are like a bizarre length. He's got like this weird, almost like a like a Nehru collar on the shirt, but not quite. And it's also flipped up. And it's just like, what on earth are we doing with their clothes here? Nothing about this makes sense for him. Also, uh, we mentioned already that the one uh, girlfriend, Deb, was in Killer Clowns, but the other girl, Hilly, is was in Friday the Thirteenth Part Four. Oh, uh, really? My favorite. I, don't, I think yours too. Yeah, that's the one we just did, right? No, no, we did two with Ted. Four we did for a February mm. previously. It's the one with uh, Crispin Glover. Oh, okay. The other one with a guy named Ted in it. <laughs> yes, you're right. 
So they turn into like Tex Avery zoot suit wolves as soon as they see yes. Kelly the Brock. Uh-huh. Yeah. Tongue falls and like rolls out of the mouth. And she, they like go to talk to her and then the boys pull up like, what? the boys don't have a license to get somehow are nope. able to drive constantly. Yeah, no one seems to care. Well, it was the 80s. That's true. It was the 80s in a white suburb, so (laughs) nobody was doing any checking of anything. She goes to Gary's house, and we meet Gary's parents, and she is like actively, or not actively, whatever. She's just pouring him a beer and sets it down in front of him, and he's he's like trying actively like pissing off the parents. She's just saying whatever she wants. My favorite is her quote about the party where she says, chips, dips, chains, and whips. And I was like, that sounds like a a fun time. (laughs) I really do love, I feel like as a culture, we should bring back toss off as a euphemism for masturbation. I think it's like a very funny one. I like that. that. It's underutilized. And she's like, what would you rather have him do? toss off to your magazines in the bathroom and the mom is of course like horrified that we're talking about this and anthony michael hall's screaming like i never i never tossed off i never tossed off i i can't it just kills me he like i like i said i really like this performance and in this scene her hair is out of control (laughs) they used the same leaf blower that they dressed rdj with and they just sat her down in front of it and blew her hair out yeah straight back it's like it's it's like um if someone gets electrocuted in a movie, yes, and it's just like, like yeah. straight up in the air, electrocuted to the point that they turn into a skeleton. Uh, yeah, just it's, it's like a Debbie from Adam's Family Values. Yes, exactly. Your favorite, Joan Cusack. Joan Cusack, my favorite. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, there's a nice bit with the dad where he's like, "Call the cops," and then Kelly LeBrock pulls a gun. She's um, chaotic. Good. Yes, she is chaotic good for sure. That is that is the correct alignment. Um, he, she reveals in the car that it's a squirt gun. She squirts um, Anthony Michael Hall in the face with it. So this is what I was talking about earlier when I mentioned that there's f- snippets in this movie where you if you stop and think too hard. Like I want to I want a movie all about her because they're in the car and he's like, well, I can never go home now. And she goes, oh, they won't remember anything. And you cut to the parents, and they have no memory of anything that happened like anthony mccall's dad doesn't even remember him which means that she chose to do all that just for fun yeah she didn't have to do all that right right she right. wanted She's just a kind to. of a maniac yeah so like I, I want that movie of like this immortal genie who's just like oh no i felt like it i just wanted the rush yeah no i'm i'm fine with that i would enjoy that movie of like it it would need to be though, like it needs to be not because there are evil genie movies out there. I Wish it Master. needs to be a yeah, and Jin and a few others. But like, I want it to be a chaotic good genie. Yes, I like that. Of like, I I don't do anything evil, but I often amuse myself with nonsense. Yeah, I, I also just because like that amuse like that is the kind of D and D I play. Like my character is a good guy, but he's also a maniac. Like does all sorts of weird nonsense. Like that's that to me is like the the. the I don't want eight of those characters in a movie, but I like when one of those characters is in a movie. Mm-hmm. That's kind of why I like what I like about Harley Quinn most of the time. She's chaotic good. Yeah, the the cartoon show is very much that. I don't mm-hmm. know uh, how much more you've watched since we talked, but the cartoon show is very much that. So this is a another classic. I've said classic about forty two times in this episode. I so, so I hope you weren't. I hope you weren't drinking at that. But this trope is the you know the entire school party, which is one of those things that seems cool, but in real life would be a nightmare. Would give me anxiety. 
as we've talked about. I remember there was when I was in high school, I didn't go to the party because I was deeply uncool, but there was a party like this where somebody's grandmother was out of town. They threw a rager and people just destroyed this house, like threw televisions into the pool, sort of destroyed this house. Mm -hmm. And I remember feeling really bad for this girl because like, obviously that is not what you intend to have happen when you have a party. But also it was kind of like, well, you did invite a lot of people over. <laughs> you, you, you can't actually do that. I know they do that in the movies, but you can't actually do that. The bullies show up to the party. Yes. And the nerdy boys can't even handle being at the party. They are hiding in a bathroom and discussing how they can't, you know, can't possibly it's go me. downstairs. It's me yeah. if this was my party. <laughs> I, that surprises me. Because if it's my house, like if I'm if I'm like at a party like this, I could probably handle it. But if it's my house, I'm not I, I'm I'm in panic mode the whole time. Interesting. We talked yeah, about this already with Project X and stuff like that. Yeah. It gives me yeah, anxiety. Yeah. <laughs> um, I would like to go to one of these parties and then I probably would leave after 25 minutes. But yeah, I would go. I'd go realize that it's only warm beer. And be like, oh, well, okay. <laughs> There's usually a few bottles of liquor in the kitchen. <laughs> yeah, you think I'm going to get there in time for those li- for that liquor? <laughs> well, maybe a BYO. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I have a flask. I feel, like most, I, I feel like everybody brings a bottle. So there's just like, what happens is everybody brings a bottle that they don't really like. So you get like grape mint vodka. I was going to say, you're going to get like <laughs> pumpkin spice Baileys. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. That's actually, what you make you know what? That's actually pretty good. I like pumpkin spice Baileys. <laughs> But it would be like pumpkin spice vodka and the mixers available are like blue raspberry Kool-Aid and orange uh, orange juice. But it's like the bottom pulpy bits of the carton. Like it's all it's not just like lots of pulp. It's just pulp. Yeah, it's just solid pulp. <laughs> so you can make your pumpkin spice orange pulp or blue <laughs> oh, raspberry. <laughs> and then someone brought a half eaten jar of maraschino cherries that it got olives yes. dumped in it. Oh, yeah. Your classic maraschino olives. <laughs> yeah. Robert Downey Jr. and his lackey make eyes at Kelly LeBrock and their girlfriends go upstairs to find the bathroom where they find the nerdlinger boys. Um, and I like this bit of business with the the back and forth at the bathroom door and like, oh, he was taking a shit and him being embarrassed and slapping him. Like, there's a lot of really good uh, visual gags there. And then my favorite of this sequence is the girls are like, OK, well, um, we do. We need a minute. We need a minute. We did need to come into the bathroom. And he's like, oh, right, right, right. Excuse us. And they step into the shower stall <laughs> and then proceed to have the Uncle Buck conversation. Yes. It's like an extreme tight close up of just their mouths, which is like a really odd way to shoot this. Oh, I just meant like the cadence and the pacing are the exact same conversation between Macaulay Culkin and John Candy. Yeah, yeah. They might do the same super close up in that too. Actually, now that I think about it, I don't it. think it's just sure. mouth, but it, it's definitely it would definitely be a face close up. And this does lead to a joke, which I think is like much funnier if it's not a fat joke. But it's like the girls leave, and oh, there's like two heavy women in there, ha ha ha. Because the guys are like, we're gonna go out there and and get with these girls, and then they stand up, and it's two women they wouldn't really get with. And I'm always just like, be bigger, make it headgear, make it like I, like not and like. I guess that make it could Joan be. Cusack in say is it sixteen candles where she's got the the headgear and the poodle sweatshirt yeah. yeah yeah like like make it a giant nerd like them that they're like oh god not one of us like I don't know just, I guess like or that could two of the guys from the bar before 
Yes, that's better. That is objectively better if it was like the or yes, that that just that, two that. like or big was, burly dudes who are just like what? Or if it's RDJ and and his lackey, also very funny. Yeah. Meanwhile, while they're talking to the girls, RDJ and the lackey are like trying to negotiate sex with Kelly LeBrock, which is just God. this whole conversation <laughs> sucks. And and then it leads to them having a conversation with Gary and Wyatt of being like, oh, uh, why don't you give us Kelly LeBrock and we'll give you our girlfriends? I was like, these are people. Yeah, that's you cannot uh, trade them like playing fucking cards. objects, you piece of shit. <laughs> this is not a baseball card trade. They're people. So they're, they're like, hang on. The truth is we built her with my computer. And in the middle of this party, knowing what happened the last time they tried this, they're like, oh, we're going to build another woman. Yeah. You know it caused pandemonium last time and there was no one in the house. <laughs> I actually really like the way that they shoot this because the uh, Wyatt and Gary, as they're sitting in all this chaos breaks out, are just like calmly having a drink because they've been through this once before and yeah. therefore this is old hat to them. But there's another great montage of like... This time it the- felt big Beetlejuice energy. Yeah, I totally agree. The kitchen becomes entirely blue, like everything in it. I loved that because it, it reminded me of Heather's, but it was just everything's monochromatic all of a sudden even the like food coming out of the oven yes it probably took five days to make that happen for mm-hmm. this like the gag is on here and then it's one more time in the movie and then gone yeah and but then there's a really gross part that i don't like where a girl's clothes get ripped off in the in the yeah the, the, she's like the playing the piano yeah the, the chimney is sucking up everything and it's it's it is kind of a riff on the maxwell commercial which you probably don't remember but i, I remember from other things referencing it where they would like is it live or is it maxwell and it was like the tape was so good sounding that is that it the was guy like in the chair there. yes I so i think it was, it was like tv I think it was a riff on that that like the but yeah just it tears her clothes off. You got to have your nudity in the movie. I mean well, that's all it comes down to. What is super annoying is it pulls the piano in, then she's there and I was she's like dangling been like, "Oh, it's going to pull me in." And I was like, "Well, here we go." And it pulls her skirt off and then it pulls her top off and then as she flies into the chimney, her bra is magically gone. Yeah, it doesn't show the bra pop away. Yeah, I was like, but this poor girl had like gets gets her clothes ripped off, her bra ripped off, and then gets thrown into a lake. Like, it's just so <laughs> I shitty. I think it. I think it's a pool. To be no, I don't think it's a pool. Well, it's a body of water that didn't appear there before. I guess. So. Yeah. Either way, um, it's like not cool. I do think this woman really sells both the launch and oh, as a stunt performer, she's excellent. Yeah, uh, I'm with you. It's unnecessary nudity, but this is an era where unnecessary nudity was necessary. Like they, it's a teen boy movie. We're competing with Porky's. We got to put some boobs in here. Is at least has equal opportunity nudity in that you get a woman's breast and also Bill Paxton's butt. That's true. It's very true. We also have a quick cutaway here where the grandparents are eating dinner and they're like, no grandson would be happier than to see his grandparents. He might be bored. Doesn't he have anything to read? I don't know. We'll have to pop in on him. And the two, these two grandparent actors are par excellence. In the long history of John Hughes excellently casting, casting old people, this is just mm-hmm. a really excellent set. I also love, you don't get enough of launched pianos in, in cinema. Yeah. <laughs> and so, as a musician, it hurt my that. heart, but... 
<laughs> I don't think it was a real piano. I think it was a prop piano. God, I hope so. But, uh, you know, we were talking about the, the woman and all that bit, but that put aside, it is awesome to see a piano sucked up a chimney, launched into the air, and smashed into the ground. Smashed into a gazebo. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It takes out a gazebo. And they do a nice, like, noise when it crashes. <laughs> that, like, cartoon just, like, sound. Mwah! That's what I wanted. Because you get a lot of cartoon piano breaks, but there's not a lot of cinematic, actual piano breaks. Yeah. I also was trying to figure out, this is going way, way back. There's a point at which, in the chaos, the first time when they create Kelly LeBrock, Anthony Michael Hall grabs a baseball bat and he tries to smash the computer, but mm-hmm. he breaks the bat instead. What do you think they made the bat out of? Do you think it was ice? That was the only thing I could think of. Oh, like it was maybe. But although, Painted ice? <laughs> unless it was just sugar glass. I guess it could have been just sugar glass in the shape of a bat. It looks really, really cool. Um they 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 cut they kind of call back to it with this second montage here with they you know all the stuff smashing but I was like oh yeah I forgot about this bat I thought that was like a really cool yeah you're he right he tries to break the computer and he breaks the bat instead so Kelly LeBrock in her you know ever chaotic oh 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 sorry 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 one more thing just before all that breaks out Kelly LeBrock is sitting on the couch taking a picture with a group of people and there's a guy there that's uh. I forget. Oh, she she calls him Arthur. Arthur, and he says my name is Art. That's Hodges from CSI, the original one. He was on like 250 episodes of CSI. Hodges from C is he the that's not 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 Binks. Is it or is that NCIS? Uh, what Binks? I don't know what you're talking Binks about. Binks the cat <laughs> Binks from Hocus Pocus is in <laughs> no. NCIS. Yeah, that's I, CSI is a different show. Well, I, I thought it was CSI, and then I realized it was NCIS. People out there who have seen episodes of CSI will will understand that that's Hodges. He's in this movie for one actual second, and I was like, hey, that guy looks familiar. And I typed in, like, Art, not Arthur, from Weird Science, and it was like, Hodges from CSI. And I was like, oh, that's why I know who that is. Oh. The five episodes of that show I watched. Sorry. Oh, there's also the kid who gets sucked into the TV. I feel like this montage is very good. I there's kind of like a lot. There's an old man at the party. Oh, he. I guess he's probably from the bar. But like, there's a very yeah. old gentleman for he's, no reason. Yeah, the, he's he's one of the dudes from the bar because the other guy from the bar is okay. tending bar at this party. Um, there's also the um, the guy at the NORAD complex has this huge Coke. It's like it says 16 ounces on it, but it must be like a glass bottle because it looks like a two quart container of soda <laughs> and so oh, and, th- and this ends with the kelly lebrock pops out of the door and she's like you guys forgot one thing and he's like we forgot to hook up the doll and it cuts to this <laughs> the wires are on top of a time magazine of a nuclear missile mm-hmm. which i thought like it didn't go anywhere it, there was no risk of there was no like oh it's gonna count down i also wanted the the missile to have breasts <laughs> because there's so much like Robert Downey Jr. and the lackey when they're making the girl it's like you know what do we want to change and they're like bigger breasts and they make them like these colossal like monstrous breasts I wanted the missile to have boobs like I think that would have been much funnier well I wish it had been like a Time Magazine person of the year retrospective oh and it's like Einstein pops and out and it's or Einstein with boobs <laughs> Or, or if it was like Mickey Mouse or something like something they could license like that. Like yeah. it's, it's Bugs, but a cartoon character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I do love the practical of like this missile breaking through the house. Oh, I think it looks cool great. Looking. I just I don't get why it was a missile because there's no you can't show me a missile without a countdown. Yeah, I'm with you. So the grandparents arrive at this point um, and they're <laughs> like just so angry. The man starts just hitting all these children with his hat and he's like, get out, get out of the house. And they have a little bit of a showdown with Kelly LeBrock that leads to an exchange that has been forever burned into my brain. Every time I hear the word baloney, I always say I won't stand for baloney and no one ever gets it, of course, because it's extremely obscure. Well, this was also the movie. I forgot that this movie is where uh, the the asshole haircut comes from that giggle he says oh yeah that's true that's true she also calls it a specific man's hat rex rex, rex harrison hat which is rex harrison hat from my fair lady yes and i i had to google but i was like oh yeah he is wearing both a rex harrison hat and kind of a rex harrison jacket yeah so she freezes the grandparents and sticks them in the closet because she's magic Right. Well, she's a genie, as you've yeah. said. And, and, and they're in a closet in the all-blue kitchen, by the way. Yeah. And then she's <laughs> like, oh, you guys have to be have to prove yourself. Like, you know, show everyone how great you are. And this was an instance where I thought Mad Max should have been playing on TV or... Yep, I agree. Or there was a poster for Mad Max. Like, something should have been an impetus for this to happen. Because she just goes, oh okay now and like zaps her little mary poppins finger and bikers crash through the through the window yeah which is something we were talking about a few episodes some episodes back i was trying to remember this exact gag and and i couldn't remember what movie it was from so i was like oh yeah this is definitely what i was thinking of it has it has the guy from the hills have eyes but also you mentioned Mm -hmm. mad max the leader of this gang who walks in with a shotgun like the mohawk and stuff yeah that actor actually played a character in Mad Max 2 that looks almost identical to this character. Oh, was that before or after? After. Okay. That's fun. Yeah. He's also uh, a big part of Commando, which, uh, spoilers, we're going to get to on our next episode, so I'm very excited. It's one of the rare same actor, two two eps in a row. Well, isn't Pell Paxton that too? I don't think he's in Commando. Someone else is in Commando, because I remember reading in the trivia the word Commando. Oh, okay. Are you sure it wasn't this guy? I thought it was two names. I thought I oh, those, okay. like, oh, these two would join up again for blah, blah, blah. Not sure. It might be one of the other biker dudes is like a small part or a stuntman or something. Oh, no, Bill Paxton is in Commando. Sorry. Aha. So they're hiding out in the closet. Like, they won't stand up to the motorcycle gang, even though Kelly LeBrock wants to. And one of the motorcycle gangs just yanks him through the wall. Right through the wall. And I, it's weird because she's like, oh, you have to stand up to them. And... It, has these bikers like specifically humiliate like call out things about them to humiliate them in front of everyone it's very bizarre yeah and it's also like it resolves in the way in like a very sitcom way of oh um this is a person i've hired to play a bad guy to boost the self-esteem of this person mm-hmm. because so there's a big showdown anthony michael hall makes a big speech he pulls the gun out he drops he, an f-bomb that i was like mm, yeah uh, yeah, it sucks. Uh, it does. Um, especially because you could have like, like, there's like a million jokes you could make here. Like you mm-hmm. and your Mad Max wannabes or, you know, you know, you and your Mad Max Halloween costumes. Yeah, go- like, get back know, to the anything. Thunderdome. Yeah, exactly. Well, that movie hadn't come out yet, but yes, Damn it. The, the, the point stands. <laughs> the point stands. The point stands. Uh, but the, he like pulls the gun on this guy and then uh, Wyatt grabs the other guy's gun. And they're suddenly like super duper intimidated and they like very quietly sheepishly leave, including um, 
the Hills Have Eyes actor who's See, I love down. this payoff that they're all like, you have a lovely home. Have a good one. Let's do lunch. I just, I wrote this guy's, oh, Michael Berryman is the guy from The Hills Have Eyes. And he's like, uh, can we uh, keep this between us? I uh, wouldn't want to lose my job as a teacher. It's like really a hoot to That's me. my favorite. Um, and then I really like the bit that follows where Anthony Michael Hall's waving the gun around and the crowd so is it's, like. It's the same water gun that Kelly LeBrock had before. Right, which the audience knows, but no one in the room does. And yeah. so they're all doing, they like duck in unison as he waves this gun around pointing, which is like a really good sight gag. And this leads to him being like, it's a water pistol. And he pulls the trigger and the chandelier goes crashing down. It was down. so great. That was the perfect payoff. And then I'm like, there's 20 minutes left in this movie. Uh-huh. We need five. It, it's a five Everybody- minute wrap up. <laughs> Oh, I see. I thought this was like a speed round wrap up as it is, because five minutes of that at 20 is credits. So it's really like a 15 minute like, all right, we got to get them with the girls. We got to deal with chat. And we got to put the house back together. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah, I was like, we could have just skipped the girls. We could have <laughs> skipped Chet and it would have just been the house cleaning montage. And then she goes outside, opens her umbrella. And it's like the winds have changed. And then like, well, as away. <laughs> Bert pops out of like- the sidewalk. I do like that it's like the implication here. So the the two guys get to meet with their respective ladies. Anthony Michael Hall's immediately is kind of sexual. The other one is like very emotional and moody. And then in the aftermath, we see Anthony Michael Hall in bed with his date, uh, although they are cuddling in a way that just seems impossible to sleep in. Uh, I've slept that way. They're like, they look like they would be sharing a coffin. They were having like a Dracula (laughs) cuddle. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like we gotta squeeze each other tight to fit in this confined space i was like y'all can move a little bit apart but in the other room it looks like they just talked all night like they're awake when chet comes barging in and they are just like talking sitting on the bed like close mm-hmm. to each other but they have this sort of like more emotional payoff which i think like jives with these two characters like anthony michael hall like wants to jump in bed and this guy like wants to get to know this girl better yeah i, I don't know i liked it i did too I thought it was boring. Everybody but, gets you no know, whatever. <laughs> everybody gets a nice big smoocherooski that we see, and then uh, Bill Paxton makes his triumphant return and just starts running around the house with a double barreled shotgun. It's also snowing in his room. <laughs> I love that bit. I think that's amazing. He's like he's holding the gun. He's like, if my room's okay, I won't kill him. If my room's okay, I won't kill him. Kick the door open and his stupid little you know he kicks it backwards to get in, and there's snow falling like a hard snow. Yeah, it's so funny. And then they, he, like, calls everyone down to the kitchen to, like, berate them. There's a weird wedgie moment. And then Kelly LeBrock is like, why are you an asshole? And he goes, I get off on it. And I was like, oh, okay, that's pretty. Yeah. I like how, you know, self-aware that is. Yeah. I also like the bit where he's, like, berating them. And he opens the door and he's like, hey, Gammy and Gam Gam. And then he's like, shuts the door and turns around and does that, like, wait a minute. Yeah. Also, every time they cut to the grandparents, they're just clearly holding their breath. Like he, like the two actors, it's like, make a huge smile and just hold your breath. Like, you can see them both moving just a little bit, and I really just enjoy the, that. Just the shiver. Yeah. Um, the boys take the girls home in the Corvette and the Mercedes or whatever the fancy cars are. A portion of Ferrari. What did I say? Corvette? And a Mercedes. Oh, whatever. And we get a super necessary police chase and train near miss. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a cartoon gag of like they drive over the train tracks just as the train is about to pass, and then the cop literally bangs his hood on the car like, and I'm throws his hat that, on the ground. That Clark Griswold didn't like skip right behind them on his on his little saucer. 
I was surprised he didn't start going, oh, you rooting, tooting, and start shooting his pistols in the air because he's doing <laughs> a freaking Yosemite Sam. Sam. That's what the cop I does. I thought he throw his hat on the ground he, and step on it. He does throw his hat on the ground. He doesn't do, he doesn't like throw it and step on it, does he? He, no, but he slams it down and then he pounds his fists on the car. It's like a hair away from a proper Looney Tunes stomp. It's weird. Um, so the boys drop their dates off and go home and their cars disappear. And I was like, the winds have changed. <laughs> uh, Wyatt also does a little butt touching, which yeah. I was surprised by. And it was a little forward. Not, doesn't seem the most into it at first. She she does a very 1950s Western of like, I don't like this. Oh, I actually do. Which I'm like, come on. It's 1985. Yeah. It's too late for that. Either and like it or don't, but pick one. Chet is a horrifying monster. Even he gets turned <laughs> yes. into a toad, even though RDJ is the one who called them toads. Right. But I think it's just this is a very this is what Chet actually looks like. Yes, I agree. And in my head, I was my from I remember I was as I was watching this, I was like, doesn't he turn into like Pizza the Hut or something? <laughs> yes, it's exactly how I would describe it. It's very Pizza the Hut. Uh, the, I also like uh, Wyatt gets home and he's like, you got to put Chet back. It's going to ruin Christmas. Mm-hmm. Like he, he he they have not realized that the winds have changed, even though the audience is in on it. And so yeah. it's like, oh, Mary Poppins is about to fly. Well, she's the coop, up there like dude. fixing her hat and like putting everything back in her carpet bag. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And there's a quote-unquote emotional goodbye between these guys. Yeah, everyone is everyone is 25% more sad than they need to be for this moment. Like, everyone's crying. It's like two days. It's apparently, been two days. Apparently, John Hughes was moved to tears shooting this. And I was like, really? Well, I, I wonder if oof, it was a oof. thing. Well, here's the thing. I wonder if one of them, like, got there, and then because the other one got there, they all did, or if this is really like the last day of shooting and like everybody's kind of become friends and it's like actually I, I know a lot of times in movies when there's a scene like this, like a goodbye, they will purposefully wait to shoot it until the end so that everyone can like tap into real feelings. Mm-hmm. So I do wonder if there was some of that, especially for kids. Um, I remember I can't remember what movie it was, but I remember a director telling this story of working with a young actor and like really regretting it, but, and like saying that they apologized after him really, Oh, it was, it was in almost famous. So <laughs> there was a scene in almost famous. I, I just listened to a podcast about that movie. That's why I've been bringing it up a lot lately. There's a scene in that where the kid needs to be sad and Cameron Crowe like took him aside and he's like, Hey, how you doing? Like, you know, the movie's almost over. How you feeling? And the kid hadn't made a movie before. And so he was Cameron Crowe just like very bluntly explained to him, like, all these people aren't really your friends. Like, this is like summer camp. And what's going to happen is like, you're all going to go back to your lives. And like some of these people you'll stay in touch with. But a lot of these people you might not ever talk to again. And this kid had been like, you know, really into the whole thing. And yeah. like, you've been part of a production like you don't have to be part of production. Like if you're part of a sports team, there's this sort of like, or a summer camp. Like there's this sort of like, like closeness you get to people that feels really, really real in the moment and then fades because you don't have the closeness. And so he like basically told him all of like, he dumped all this on him. He's like, you're not going to see a lot of these people again. Some of these people might stay friends with you, but like a lot of them you'll never talk to. And like, he like really laid out for him. And so the kid goes and knows the scene and he's like a wreck. Like he's like bawling. Right. And he, he nails the scene because he's really sad. Yeah. And then camera girl had to be like, I am so sorry I did that to you. Camera Crow emotionally abused him. (laughs) Yes, he did. Uh, Absolutely, he did. 
But yeah, I was thinking of that. Like that might have been the situation here. Like somebody got the real tears, and they all got the real tears. There's some movie that I that I've I, I like enough to have watched multiple times because I read the IMDb trivia at one point, and it said they were like to get the person to this child actor to cry. Their their mom stood off screen and told them their dog died. And I, was, <laughs> I wish I wish I knew what movie it was, but I was just like reading it like Jesus Christ. <laughs> there's one i remember from saving private ryan where somebody put the i don't know if it's glycerin or whatever they use to like make you cry but like i think oh, matt menthol? damon was put yeah so i think matt damon couldn't cry and like couldn't do it and somebody like went up to him and like talked to him and then at the end like put their hands on his face and were like i think you're gonna get it this time and they like wiped it on his face to mm-hmm. like get him because he wouldn't he wouldn't he wouldn't cheat like he was like i'm too good for that and you the person was like Vic staple rub right right around the eyes but the, the, as i recall and it may be the wrong movie but as i recall it was that it was matt damon saving private ryan and they were like going on and on and on and it's like we have to go we have to be done we can't do this anymore and they just like Whoop! and then we're like all right i that would have been me. i would have been like <laughs> yeah i just want fucking cheese fries we, <laughs> we have to end this <laughs> we gotta get to lunch we're going into the penalty yeah, so I also love, this is like a very old school, this is like George Lumiere era stuff where you film it and then you run the film in reverse. Mm-hmm. I always like the look of these gags. They look great. And literally all they do is reverse the montage of the house getting destroyed to have it get put back together. Yeah. But the one that I love that's the simplest is the bed getting made. Mm-hmm. And I assume they unmade the bed with some like fishing line and like pulled the sheet down, pulled the pillow down yeah. and then just rolled it back. But it, that one, is, the simplest one is my favorite. Cause it's, it's the one that has the most, it's like, I watched that piano get launched. It's not surprising to see it go backward, but the bed was like, Oh, what a cool little touch. Yeah. I like that. And then, uh, Kelly LeBrock shows up as the gym teacher and I am obsessed with her gym teaching outfit. <laughs> I also enjoy drop and give me 20 and all the boys simultaneously faint. Mm-hmm. Oh, Yes, exactly. <laughs> the uh, Tex Avery Wolf is exactly the thing. Uh, what are your final weird science thoughts? It's we're, I think we're pretty far apart on this movie. Yeah, it's I wish I could like it more. It just doesn't it doesn't feel great. I think there's a lot in there and I think the story is is clever and like there's a lot of potential i think this movie is prime for a remake i think they announced one not like in the last five years especially with like 3d printing is a fit is like so is already yeah a thing. that's true that's true i also think it would probably be less computer magic and more like genie lamp like you're talking about is the movie ex machina just the remake of weird science that we never uh, that nobody uh, asked for no ex machina is pretty dark i i haven't seen it but but it is definitely about people who want to have the sex with robots. That's for sure. That's always people's first thought. They make a robot. That, and they're like, how do I fuck it? I watched this show devs recently and they also, isn't that like, with Nick Offerman? Yeah, it's, it's, it's actually by the guy who made ex machina, which is why I oh. thought of it here, but they, they, people are watching in the show. People are watching Marilyn Monroe have sex, like through this magic machine they've made. And, you can't really see anything. It's like shapes more than it looks like people. But the the woman's like, I swear to God, you nerds, every time you invent something, you figure out how to have sex with it or watch people have sex on it or watch people have sex <laughs> with it. Like, can't any of you ever just like something and not try to have sex with it? Yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's pretty much how all of it goes. Yeah. 
I mean, back in the 80s, the, the reason why VHS tapes won over beta is porn. So, like, it makes sense. Like, oh, that's, that's right. Humans are, very, humans are very involved that way. Um, I did enjoy this. I hadn't seen it in a long time. I do think there are, you make some valid points about some things about this movie that should bother me. In this case, they didn't. Like, I, it didn't bust my nostalgia and I was able to turn it off enough. You know, I, I, I don't like the fat joke. I don't like people throwing the F-bomb around. I, I think those things are, like, lazy at best and shitty at, in all cases. But I like a lot of this. I really think Anthony Michael Hall is great. I think Kelly LeBrock is genuinely mind-blowingly She's the best part of this, this movie. Yeah, yeah. She totally gets what she's here for and what she's doing. And that she is sexy Mary Poppins is like exactly what she's doing. She's she's just very, very good at it. I was I honestly think she's better at being sexy Mary Poppins than uh 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 Emily Blunt. Yeah, Emily Blunt was it being regular degular Mary Poppins <laughs> in 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 the in the most recent iteration. And I'm I'm serious about that. I think both of them are good. But I do I do think like second best ever Mary Poppins for me is is Kelly LeBrock in Weird Science. <laughs> um I just think she's phenomenal here. Like I cannot believe I'm being so nice about this. Like she's a model. She she anything else you see her in is like a train wreck. But this one like magic confluence, I think this is worth watching. It's on HBO Max. Uh, if you've got that, it's easy to find. I would give this the, uh, the recommend. I, I don't know that you would. I'm guessing not. I mean, yeah, w- watch it, but be aware. Okay. Yeah, if you've never seen this one before, I think it's definitely very watchable, just like pretty much any John Hughes movie, frankly. I do agree with you. This probably is in the middle to bottom chunk of John Hughes movies. Yeah. But I do I do think there's a lot to like here. And I honestly like I might like this more than I like I might want to watch this more than I would want to watch a pretty in pink or a 16 candles. Fair. Not that I don't like those movies, but like those are the ones that people really, really like. But for me personally, I think I might rank these higher. Eventually, we will check off all these John Hughes's and have to yeah, do we'll some get sort of to ranking. Them. Yeah, it's like we got we got three like obvious sitting in the hopper between Breakfast Club, Sixteen we Candles. Could, we and- could always do John Hughesery. Yeah, yeah, maybe we'll do that. We'll we'll figure it out. It will it will be done at some point. I assure you, uh, we'll be getting to some of that. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know, uh, I don't know when. But uh, Breakfast Club was actually the same year, which is crazy to think about. As this, yeah. Oh wow. And Ferris Bueller, both Ferris Bueller and Pretty in Pink come out the next year. Hmm. He he was a big uh, two movie a year guy at that time. Good for him. I, actually, he also did. He might have just written European Vacation, but that also came out. Oh, was that he only got story by on that? No, written by. No, yeah. So he had he wrote three movies that came out in eighty five. Hmm. Two of which have now been on this podcast. <laughs> um, yeah, but anyway, uh, I would give this a thumbs up. I think this is worth your time. Uh, thank you so much for listening to the show and for checking it out. Uh, as you may have seen on the feed at this point, probably have. Uh, we had a Patreon episode for September. That's Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, which is the first time Andrew had ever watched that. I was yeah. uh, a fun ride. So. Uh, if you want to head over to patreon.com slash dissecting the 80s, you can see how you can get that episode. But basically, if you join at the $5 tier, uh, you can get that episode uh, and a bunch of other ones as well. So check that out and uh, see if that makes sense for you. Uh, we know money's tight for a lot of folks. So if you don't have the time or if you don't have the money, how about you give us some of your time and you review the show and tell two friends about it. If you do a review anywhere about iTunes, just send us a screenshot if you want us to read it on the air, because I don't know how to track down all the things, but we'll do that. It's dissectingthe80s at gmail.com. And uh, if you like the show, tell two friends about it, because that's the best way to spread the word. If you like it, share it. So 
Thank you again so much for listening. We will be back in two weeks to talk about a movie that I've never seen and you've never seen, but I couldn't be more excited to jump into Commando, which I think is like peak Arnold. It's a mystery to me how I've never seen this movie before, but I am very excited to get into it. I I put it on one night when I just had gotten HBO Max and I was like, I was like, oh, I haven't seen this. Let me throw that on. And I got like four minutes into it and i was like i gotta stop because i need to be taking notes i'm too excited about this <laughs> so i'm really really excited to watch that one so that'll be in two weeks uh thank you again so much for listening i have been trip Lano. i will always be andrew Lano. until next time don't you forget about me dissecting the 80s is a chum some of this production Ow.